0: Welcome to KBcast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen.
1: I recently chatted with Lou Manousis, the CEO of RiskIQ, and he talked intelligently on the shift companies had to take, and in his words, businesses went digital overnight. Lou chats through some of his concerns from a security perspective in this rapid changing environment and where he believes executives need to be focusing. If you're keen to learn more, then please keep on listening. Okay, so Lou, I'm really, really excited to have this conversation with you. I've heard amazing things about you, uh, about what Risk IQ is doing, and just your journey in general. And I've read a few of your interviews and watched a few of your other podcasts, and I was really, really intrigued about just your honesty and your approach to the industry. So before we dive into the details of this conversation, I'd really love to just sort of start... Off with understanding about you and your career. So, can you talk our listeners through your career so far?
0: I'll start at the top. Thank you for that, too, and those kind words. I appreciate it. I started out, like I think a lot of people who are technical and get into leadership positions, you know, very young age on the internet and part of the internet's creation and early internet folks, I mean, before HTTP and the web browser, I think uh, security was just something you did all the time. You just thought about it just endlessly. Not only was it cool, like, you know, I was punk rock kid grew up in Chicago. I, (laughs) I, you know, so I, I loved it. Right. It was just part of my whole scene. Um, but you know, later on I decided I wanted to get into physics and I got a, as a physicist, I, I got a job at a national lab and, at this time, this is roughly 30 years ago. These national labs had great internet connections. Um, they did all their experiments and communicated with other labs over the internet. And you know that was one of the main main folks that built it out. And so I, I think you know what got me started in having that opportunity to work you know with backbone internet connectivity and build out secure networks. And we you know we also did have the adversaries started to pop up. You know, these were the early days of the Kevin Mitnick stories were were just mm-hmm. starting to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. They actually hadn't happened yet. And, you know, we were investigating these attacks and, you know, hacking back, I guess. It really wasn't hacking back. It was just trying to figure out what the heck was going on. At that point, what I realized was, you know, working in a national lab is fantastic, but there's just so much exciting uh, new businesses getting spooled up. And me and another guy decided to do the startup thing. And and I just never looked back. I mean, it was not only did I love the early days of the internet and building uh, secure capabilities, but the startup world was really compelling to me. So that's how it all got started.
1: Okay, that's really interesting and really cool. One question I'd just like to ask is quickly, do you remember when there was this theory that people were like, oh, no, the internet's not going to be the next thing? Do you remember when people were sort of uh, talking like that?
0: Well, my first startup, we did um, an identity background business, and we were connecting uh, and and helping people understand their employees. And we had a dial-up modem system. It's actually one of the reasons why I got connected with the other co-founders because, you know, everything was dial up back then, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Z Z modem. And, and I, you know, immediately said to the other co-founders, like, why aren't we just doing this over the internet? And they're like, oh man, no one would (laughs) ever want to do that. That's very risky. And, and no, it has to be dial up. And so we had, you know, our modem banks that our customers dialed into so, yeah, it was um, definitely not a foregone conclusion.
1: <laughs> and that is wild. Okay. Uh, no, I was just really curious on that um, to see what your opinion was. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, let's talk about what our attack surface looked like before the pandemic. And then I'd love for you to answer what the attack surface looks like during slash after the pandemic and to understand the delta between these two to highlight what a situation like this can can really do to an industry like ours
0: yeah well one of the perspectives that i have and we operate a, a free product called passive total which is used by I don't close to 100,000 investigators uh, threat intel folks uh people doing forensics on attacks. So we talk to people on the front lines all all the time every day and help them out with their investigations and you know provide them with tooling to to dig deeper. And so one thing I think is clear, you know, bad, the bad guys are the same bad guys. It's not like suddenly since COVID hit there's like new bad guys. It's the same guys. So, Mm -hmm. and their techniques are changing uh, mostly by using COVID lures and the attacks, as you put it, the attack surface has shifted. And it's interesting because, you know, in my career, I've actually seen the work from home phenomenon happen a couple of times. I'm I'm sure people who listen to your podcast remember that, you know, there was a time not so long ago when everyone was told, hey, we're going to just work from home, you know, large companies. And. I think in the in the last certainly five ten years, and I live in San Francisco, and there's been a healthy desire for people to be in offices uh, more lately, and you know that tells you a lot about the attack surface because if you're protecting an office and people are working uh, inside a building and they're connecting through your equipment, uh, that changes that attack surface. If they need to access information inside your data centers, they have to tunnel in and. Now they're coming from IP addresses that are unknown to you, or at least unknown in the beginning of the pandemic. So I think it's definitely a solvable problem, but not not overnight, right? That's no one was expecting something like this to happen. And, and uh, the amount of time that, and, and I think people have done a fantastic job. I mean, uh, the industry has really rallied. Uh, I think companies by and large are very supportive of their security teams right now. I mean, we can't afford to see, you know, massive Internet attacks while, you know, while we're trying to recover from this pandemic. So. So, yeah, that, that's at a high level. I think what's changed, I guess, is the storyline is not much. You know, the same bad guys mm-hmm. uh, doors have changed and then there's just more doors are opening. Uh, you have to open up those doors so that remote workers can get their jobs done. And those doors are open in places that you weren't expecting. Uh, You could have a big problem. And I just read that remote access just continues to be a major issue. And what are we going to do? We can't turn off remote access right now. That's the only way to get your job done. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Would you say it's a fair assumption that how cyber criminals have actually pivoted and exploiting covid to to their advantage would you say that anything sort of coming along in our future so uh, there was another thing happening in australia there was a lot of like dog scams happening because people wanted dogs through this this period so would it just be there's a trend depending on what's happening in the world that that would just be an easy target because of the the vulnerability that people have around this anyway
0: yeah well here's my take on it Cyber security and security in general is not a problem to be solved. It's a game that you play and you're playing against an adversary, whoever your adversary happens to be. And the rules of the game uh, are right: the internet, right? It's the, the, those are the atomic particles of the game that we're all playing. So I think when something like COVID comes along and changes things that, um, if you're not quick on your feet and if you if you're trying to use the same tools and the same approach that you did pre-covid yeah you're going to get surprised and and I think that that is the key and you know you you mentioned some of the scams um, I try to separate out the scams some I mean, of those are important but they're they're very different than you know the corporate security challenges that we're facing right now the mm-hmm. scams are terrible, and they go after consumers and they go after our employees more on their personal lives to take advantage of of whatever stress they're under. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we yeah, we're seeing that as well, and we put up a COVID nineteen resource center where we're tracking all of the newly observed uh, infrastructure, and as well as you know giving away all the blacklisted data in hopes that ISPs and large networks block that activity, which, which is protecting sort of the innocent public. And of course your employees. Um, but that aside, I, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, the, the bad guys, <laughs> the adversaries are that are quick and are acting rapidly, you know, they're, they're winning and they're, they're getting a foothold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think many companies are, are all over it. I, you know, talk to people every day that, um, you know, everyone's working long hours, right? And we're all trying to figure out how to not only get people the access that they need, but also, you know, roll out the right security controls. And I look at that attack surface, that that's the job. So it's not okay to say, well, we bought this technology pre-COVID and that's what we're going to use. Well, mm-hmm. you know, it's not going to work. So mm-hmm. if, if it was a problem, then that would be fine, but it's a game. <laughs> and in the, in the rules changed, you've got to change with it uh, to secure the enterprise.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's a continuous game, right? Like It's like there's no sort of this is the end and we've made it. Um,
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, that's what makes the job so fun, really. You know, the fun is getting there. And and if you're not the kind of person that is excited by the opportunity to protect your organization and every morning you wake up and whatever you were doing yesterday just doesn't work anymore. If you're not okay with that. You might have the, might be in the wrong profession. So
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a really an interesting uh, comment, and I'd like to dig a little deeper on that. So, so in in saying that, do you believe that because of this pandemic, it means that as an industry we're, we're pushed further behind because businesses are still trying to adjust to the new normal and people working from home, and let alone their overwhelming, never-ending security problems. What are your sort of thoughts on that? And just sort of touching on when you said like if you don't like the continuous change of the rules, this is probably not for you. So how, how do you think people are responding to that?
0: Well, nobody likes to work endless hours with no no break and I I do think right now uh, everybody is trying to adjust. Uh but you know for me, you know part of that adjustment is not just my work, but it's you know supporting my family, supporting my coworkers you know, you've got kids that can't go to school because the schools are closed. You know, things like that. So that you're kind of losing. Uh, we're pulling people off the field, and they can't they can't play in the game, and they're on the bench because they have to support their families. And that's a real issue. And I, I think as a leader, and you know, I certainly see it in my organization. And you know, that that's the area to focus on. You know, you're, you're trying to protect the company, trying to protect the attack surface. You've got to have your people. Uh, energized and ready to do their job. So if they're just so overworked and they're stressed out at home, they're not going to be able to do that. And analyst fatigue or security fatigue is is very real. So we've been coaching our teams on, you know, work-life balance right now. I think that's super critical. And, you know, smart organizations are putting more money into cybersecurity because they realize this. They realize that, you know, we cannot have our networks going down right now. We can't. We have to have them up and running and and safe and secure <clears throat> so you know that means running multiple shifts That means bringing in you know hiring um you know it's not the best time to be hiring with not only a, the pandemic but an economic you know impact on most organizations but the fact is if if you lose trust in your networks and your customers can't do business with you digitally you you've got a much much bigger problem as an industry we have to realize that we're managing teams not just you know solving technical problems. And these team players are playing these these games against the adversary. So that I think the great organizations out there are, are actually really doubling down and supporting their, their staff. And it's great to see.
1: In some of your previous interviews, uh, you sort of said that businesses went digital overnight because they their backs were against the wall and they were forced to because they had no real option, and I, this is true. But what are some of your concerns from a security perspective that goes in hand with companies moving so quickly because they have to?
0: Well, mistakes are the leading cause of a breach typically, right? It, we all knew that that vulnerable piece of software was out there, but we just didn't know about that server. We missed it, right? And, and so if you're standing up equipment quickly and rolling out uh, digital initiatives rapidly uh which is generally the case right businesses do all sorts of things on the internet, and it 's the assets that were lost, you know discovering these unknown internet assets that were not protected or were late to the patching party that tend to be um you know where an adversary gains a foothold and then can move laterally through your network uh of course you got phishing attacks which are still an amazingly effective attack vector so you know and you touched on this with the scams you know employees fall victim to to these attacks and give away credentials that's probably a, a big part of it
1: and what sort of advice would you provide to, to companies out there that maybe feel that they haven't quite gotten everything right, but they had to move so quickly because like you said, they need to ensure that they are still operating and they're still functioning regardless of what's happening out there in the world and regardless whether their team are at home or in the office.
0: Yeah. going digital overnight, right? That's what your company is going to be doing. And so, so it starts with your last question. I, I think you really need to understand what programs have been canceled because many companies are canceling programs because they have to and in some cases it's budget related uh and then where are they moving resources and and how can you help secure those assets before they're actually rolled out to the customer base and i you know i think that starts with uh having good accurate inventory and then understanding the business risk you know doing some threat modeling with the team and doing it quickly. I mean, we see what's happening with all of these online systems. Um, even the best of them have had some significant issues. Uh, you know, these are very well-funded companies with uh, you know, thousands of engineers, and they're still running into major issues with their equipment. So, you know, it's it's easy to see that your company is going to miss something. And so, I, I think you can't slow things down, but it's you know, come to the table. With what would a bad guy do? How could they gain a foothold? <clears throat> How can you help the organization understand, you know, what's happening? Because uh, I think some companies are moving so quickly that you know the teams are communicating as well about about what new assets are being stood up. So for us, that's where it starts: discovering unknown. Uh, internet assets, discovering these unknown attack surfaces, making them known to the business, helping them see, hey, these are the threats that could come at us. So that's number one. And number two is, well, something bad probably will happen because we are moving quickly. So Mm -hmm. we need to update all of our plans. Like how do we investigate an attack quickly? How do we make sure we could triage it and respond uh, if that's what's necessary? And so, you know, with the teams, again, being remote, uh, you know, the drills and making sure that everyone's got a playbook that they're ready to execute on, on, on the investigation and response side. So those are the two things that I think are really important right now.
1: That's a really good point you made around something's likely to go wrong because people are moving so quickly. Do you think that from what you've seen out there, do you think that people, because they've had to move so quickly, they've sort of just followed the crowd of what other people have been doing out there in terms of utilizing certain platforms uh, to ensure that their staff can work remotely?
0: Yeah, or your staff just does it on their own, right? <laughs> uh, so, it's always that, yes. You know, look, I'm, I'm an optimist. I, I can't believe how everyone in the world has been responding so well to such a terrible situation. You know, I remember in the early days of the pandemic, you know, oh, the United States isn't going to be able to respond like China did. And, you know, look, we did. Right. The country responded quite well. I mean, some states better than others. I'm sure you guys have seen it in Australia. Um, I think people are adaptable and they understand when the going gets tough, you know, the tough got to get going. That's awesome to see so yeah that's 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 how that's what I've seen go happen and and you know from there, you know your employees they wanna move the needle, they'd like to see the company thrive again, and they'd like to see the world emerge from the pandemic and let's not have a recession or or shorten the time window of a recession, so that's getting the business's gears turning <clears throat> so this is a commendable and something we should enable as security teams. And we need that to happen. So I, I think the best teams are, are all in and are coming up with ideas and supporting all these digital initiatives, uh, bringing on all the platforms, all the new chat programs, video. It's, it's got to happen. Let's hope that, that things get better, but we really don't know. There could be a second wave. Things could be shut down for many more months, if not, you know, another year. So I think it's wise that, um, we assume that that's going to happen as technologists and make sure that these platforms are secure and that business can be done remotely, uh, for as long as is necessary. And, you know, in San Francisco, where I live, it, it's been awesome to see, I think, you know, a lot of techies here who, who work remote already. And, and you know, and many of the large employers have, have already told their employees, look, you know, work remote as long as you need to and productivity has, been hit, but not as much as, again, you know, the naysayers going into the pandemic were, were claiming. So it's good mm-hmm. to see.
1: Mm-hmm. So, as we just spoken about in, in this interview, and just, just then, you said that um, people working remotely. So, what I'd like to sort of move into is because we've now moved to a non traditional way of working, uh, and it may be traditional for some companies, but for a lot it hasn't been. So, that would sort of mean that the controls that were implemented for a traditional way of working in that arrangement uh, are not the same. What would be your advice uh, that you can provide for people going through this transition?
0: You know, again, it goes back to, you know, everything's got to be on the table. So you know, so I would I would start there. It's you know, you if you've set up your network and your systems in such a way that you need to start over, then you know, you need to start over. Um, I, I think for the most part, you know, this journey, this digital transformation journey has started for most companies many years ago, but there were roadblocks that prevented transformation to complete of course now it's it's happening quickly so so the, these plans were developed and they're just systems that were stagnant and now they're they're rolling out so that what i mean by that would be for example a cloud initiative mm-hmm. um you know or you know a next gen for security guy like a next gen endpoint initiative or an mdr initiative that may have been stalled out i think this is a great opportunity to say hey look we're this is the world that we've been planning for the the last five years. Now's our opportunity to get it done, not because we just want to get it done, but because we actually need it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, many companies had already done that, and so if you're one of those companies, you know, congrats to you because now you're sitting pretty, looking back saying, "Gosh, I'm so glad we did this." You know, if somebody asked me, well, "Well, do you think people will go back to the way it was before?" I actually do. I actually think. That there's many companies, unfortunately, that will have to go back, but that will be temporary. So this will be part of boardroom discussions for the rest of our careers, just like 9 11 was, right? And, you know, if you lived through that era, you know, this, that type of planning is, is deeply embedded in resiliency and, you know, having your operations be able to recover. And I I think we're going to, we're going to see companies go back. You know a lot of older systems will come back online, but there will be a renewed interest in completing these migrations and And I think we'll be all better off for it you know when you look at old technology it's it's typically this older technology that has a wider attack surface and suffers from patching woes or you know legacy. So, hey, if we get rid of that stuff, <laughs> we're going to have a, a much uh, smaller attack surface. So, yeah, again, I'm an optimist, and I, I think this is a great opportunity for people to to get back to their plans and and execute.
1: Lou, would you also say that because of this, it's probably been a bit of a catalyst to people thinking, I need to get this done in terms of uh, like migration to the cloud and, and people utilizing like video conferencing and, and VoIP to connect with their colleagues? Do you think that it's pushed people to think? Yes, it was kind of on the roadmap, but now my back's against the wall. I need to do it. But it's actually, in retrospect, maybe a good thing because it means that they'll evolve as an organization.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. And uh, you know, it could be cloud. It could be you know more a broader adoption of social media to communicate mm-hmm. with your customers. It could be getting out that new mobile application that has been clunky that you wanted to upgrade and pressing more of your users to, you know, to update to, uh, I I think it's all of the above. It's not like you can walk into a physical location as easily as as we did last Mm -hmm. year. So what's the alternative? Um, the alternative is our competitors. You know, if you're in a business that's got competitors, maybe they're going to do it. (laughs) So, so yeah, I think it's an accelerant for many companies and, ultimately, it's going to make businesses stronger. I do think the phenomenon of work from home that everyone is witnessing right now it is extremely effective for many companies. And they are really looking back saying, man, um, this is in some ways better than mm-hmm. what we had before. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, that said, you know, larger organizations will need to Regroup, And some of the um, digital initiatives are temporary Mm -hmm. and they will need to be replaced with the full production system, you know, over the coming months or if not years.
1: So do you think because of this pandemic, do you believe attacks will increase and do you believe we're ready as an industry to manage this new way of working and to ultimately protect our organizations?
0: Well, yeah, NSA put out an interesting advisory. The U.S. CERT pushed it out as well on on sandworm threat actors, and they're targeting uh, parts of the attack surface. So we looked into that. It was in a popular mail server. So any advanced adversary, certainly nation state adversaries, they're constantly looking for weaknesses in the whole internet's attack surface, uh, depending on how big of a nation state uh, they are. And I think then cyber criminals, they're constantly scanning, you know, RDP is still one of the top uh, ransomware vectors. So guess who's opening up a lot more RDP in the last two, three months Mm -hmm. for remote access, right? Everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, that credential problem, that credential that was leaked and you didn't realize that your admin had or, or that phishing attack now. If they couldn't get to the RDP because it was closed off or was unknown to them, but now it's open, now you've suddenly got somebody who, with a simple phishing attack, has access to potentially some of your core network or you know, core applications. So so that's the kind of really scary stuff that <clears throat> I think all security executives need to really quiz their team and say, are we, are we really covered on this? Because we're going to see the fallout from those these open systems definitely for the rest of the you know the year and potentially you know longer. Uh, we know adversaries gain access to networks and they just don't go out and throw a party the next day and tell everybody they did it, right? They're <laughs> going to sit in your network for a while. And so when when we rewind the clock, I, I'm sure we're going to see aha, you know this is when some of those footholds you know landed. Um, but you know that's you know that's part of the job, and we just gotta stay stay on it
1: so would you say from your experience though that companies are ready, or do you think that they're still working through it at the moment in terms of where they're actually sitting?
0: Well, nobody was ready for what they're dealing with now. I mean very mm-hmm. few people mm-hmm. were and or we're got, and even we're gonna have yeah. a
1: pandemic,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean you know unless you really <laughs> Love watching uh, sci-fi movies and think that everything <laughs> you watch in sci-fi is going to happen. I mean, this is one of those cases where it did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's unfair to to go to your security team if, if you're a board member or an executive and say, "Hey, why didn't you guys plan for this?" I would just turn around mm-hmm. and go, well, "Why didn't you plan for it?" So, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's. Uh, but yeah, I, I do I do think companies are working hard, teams are working hard, they're catching up. The holes are getting closed. People are finding issues and they're fixing them rapidly. You just got to give people time to to do their job.
1: I agree with you. Like no one in their wildest dreams sort of planned this or had any sort of real strategy around it. Do you think because of this now, people will develop these types of strategies or something even on par with what we've experienced through COVID-19? Do you think now that this will propel people into thinking, well, I've got to start thinking a little bit more outside the box in case like this does happen again or something along the the lines will happen. And now we're better prepared because we've been through it. We've experienced what's happened and we have a little bit more insight and perspective to, to plan accordingly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It's definitely the case here. I think we're starting to see this is a whole, whole new, way of thinking about protecting networks and protecting employees. I do think that the uh, architectures, uh, security architectures do exist. Companies can adopt to protect a mostly remote workforce. You know, many people have already transitioned to You know, the internet is our network. I and mean, mm-hmm. let's face it, most companies are connecting even remote offices through the internet, tunneling across the internet itself. So now you've got all these little home offices, right? You have 50,000 employees, you have 50,000 home offices. So there are reasonably good architectures that can support that. Uh, I think there's really good endpoint products out there. And these companies are doing quite well because they're products designed for that type of remote worker. And yeah, so I I, I think I'm very convinced that the industry is going to be better off uh, Mm -hmm. from, from a security perspective. We're going to have uh, just a, a tougher set of uh, security execs that are battle hardened, and we're going to see a lot of things that we weren't seeing. And and it all and also for what I do, I help people discover their attack surfaces, understand how threat actors are motivated, and investigate those attacks. And so, for what I do, it's right in the nexus of how we operate and think all the time. So so it's been somewhat interesting uh you know we talk about this is just um you know our world and we've been talking about this problem for a while and and are happy to help out and our product is a saas product there's no agent that you have to deploy our sensors already live outside of the company's network so we're collecting the internet telemetry which is super useful if you want to understand uh, an attack and you don't have that network you have no sensor on that network well, you can go to risk IQ and investigate that attack now you know we've really seen a, a big uptick in in investigations where we can help out so it's just a, a new way of protecting your network
1: I really agree with your point earlier when you said that we'll probably be better off as an industry. And I think it's hard when you're going through something that's incredibly tough. It's hard to see that. You look retrospectively, you can say, well, I guess we are better off now because we've been through that adversity and we're better we're better equipped. So I, I really do resonate with that point that you made. But lastly, what do you think's next? What should executives be focusing on right now?
0: Well, your team and making sure you've got the right people in the right seats uh, that you're, you know, you're leading the team as a security executive and a team leader, um, that you're communicating clearly what you're seeing to your board and to the CEO and the other members of your leadership team. I think everyone is is really curious and wants to know what is happening. You know, what what does the attack surface look like? Are we vulnerable? And a security leader right now, more than ever, needs to communicate, you know, at 110%. And that's communicate into their team and, you know, lead the team and then communicate into the executive and, and leadership function. I believe that, you know, understanding how an organization is relying on the Internet and what these digital programs look like is uh, is really critical. That means you're know, creating a, an accurate inventory of those systems and being ready to respond if, if something goes wrong. So it's a lot of the things we've already touched on. Um, but I would say primarily right now and in this environment, it's about taking care of of your team and making sure you understand what they need. Uh, and if you've got the right people on the team, which I think most people know, I've got my my eight players here. The guys I rely on, let's make sure that they have the tools and the platforms that they need to secure. And that's the best advice I can give anyone right now.
1: No, I really, really appreciate it. And I really appreciate your time, Lou. It's been awesome learning about your journey, the stuff that you guys are doing at Risk IQ, and a little bit more insight about what you're sort of seeing on the horizon post this pandemic. If people are interested in reaching out to you because they're keen to ask you a question that perhaps I didn't ask you, how can they go about doing that?
0: You can email me at uh, lou at riskiq.com or hit me up on, on Twitter or LinkedIn. Love to talk to people about what they're seeing with their tax surface and you know how it's changing. And also in terms of investigations, of how we can help. We're ready to share our experiences from the front lines of you know what we're seeing uh, day in and day out here the last two or three months.
1: Again, I really appreciate your time and your thoughts. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. Thanks again, Lou.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in. As always, we hope you got some new ideas or ways of thinking from this episode. And remember, you can always reach out to our guests if you do have more questions. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we always love to hear your feedback. So leave a review on iTunes and we might just give you a shout out on a future episode. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as on at I am Carissa Breen on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to know more about how we help tech companies, check out carissabreenindustries.com. Until next time, stay safer.